It is Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, and we know that you have a lot of options when it comes to listening to podcasts, and for you to spend time with us, we really appreciate it. Let's talk self-care this week, specifically why you shouldn't let a crisis force you into self-care, and our guest is an expert on care, and her name is Melissa Solkowski, and she's the owner of Nurturance. Now, that's a practice that offers a holistic approach and promotes peaceful alternatives to healing. And Melissa is going to educate us on self-care and so much more in this talk. So, hey, what am I waiting for? Let's get it started. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, episode number 48 starts right now. Welcome to Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International, the podcast that tells you the story of how women are impacting business one guest at a time. Now here's your host, Jeff Bolitnikoff, with another successful woman and her unique business journey. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, and I am Jeff Bolitnikoff, excited to have another guest on. Of course, I'm always excited to have a guest on, and this week it's Melissa Sulkowski, and she was kind enough to take me through the pronunciation of her business. It's uh, Nurturance, and um, you spell that a little different, so I'm going to give you the website first. Nurturance, it's N-U-R-T-U-R. I-N-S-E dot com, Nurturance dot com. She is a professional mediator and family specialist. She's been working with individuals and families for over 25 years. She's an Athena PowerLink recipient, having gotten that honor back in 2014. And she was selected as one of 15 peacemaking professionals between the United States and Canada. She does a lot. There's way too much for me to go over all of her accomplishments on the bio that she gave me because it's quite extensive. And plus, as you know, I like to give the mic to my guest as soon as possible. And so let's bring Melissa in right now. Melissa, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's this is going to be great because there's just so many things that you do and honestly so many things that I'm confused about because <laughs> these are these are not things that you really hear of like in your normal day-to-day life. So, I would love uh your background, what brought you to this place and then maybe explain what you do and how you're helping people and business and all that other good stuff. Again, Melissa, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. So my background is actually, I'm a registered nurse, so I started in undergraduate in psychology, really had always had a feeling I wanted to work with kids and families. At the time, I was working in a residential treatment facility with children, and I had a wise advisor who said, if you get a four-year degree degree in psychology, uh, that's probably not going to fare out very well for you, so why don't you consider something else? So I did, and Uh, still maintain my RN license just to have it, but nevertheless, I worked as a nurse in a different residential treatment facility and had opportunities within about a year and a half to be promoted to open and run an outpatient program that they wanted to start, and so that led me back to graduate school for counseling after all, which apparently is where I'm supposed to be. Um, (laughs) So from there, I was at that residential treatment facility for about eight years, held other positions such as the director of a girls' residential treatment facility and then ended up running a few of our programs, which point I just 
kind of the on-call 24-7 crisis life was wearing and decided to launch into or kind of bridge into private practice. So it was actually 18 years this January that I've been in private practice, so it's it's been a great, great go. And I've continued my concentration really on family systems and sort of beyond that. So the vision of nurturance originally was to have traditional therapy and counseling in the same space as wellness services. So we've had wellness services such as acupuncture, private yoga. Uh, We currently have a massage therapist in the practice. Um, So really kind of nurturing that self-care aspect and that healing aspect with all of the clients that we would interface with. And that really took off and was somewhat a newer idea in my community many years ago. Now it's it's more commonplace. But um, this whole, I had started doing work in, with couples and kind of more relational aspects and had our court system approach me to see if I would be interested in helping resolve conflicts or mediate conflicts to really assist the court system in helping families from returning to court and the overload in our court system. So I kind of accidentally tripped into that. So this whole kind of conflict resolution arm grew out of my original vision of nurturance. And as I started getting trained in that work and doing that work, I really was not able to maintain a traditional therapy practice. So I essentially expanded and that's when the kind of nurturance vision was born. So I have other therapists in here that do more traditional therapy, a couple of us that do more of the conflict work, and then, as I said, a massage therapist. So relative to the conflict work, I guess I can explain that a bit. My sort of advanced training or specialty, I would say, is really as a family mediator. I'm also trained as a collaborative practitioner, which is a really different approach. Um, Both are what are called alternative dispute resolution processes for families, Um, whether it's families going through transition around separation and divorce. I've worked with families who are having transitions around elderly parents. I've worked with small businesses who are dealing with kind of creating a culture or employee-employer relationship issues. So it really has kind of broadened in the scope of what I'm doing. But at the end of the day, most of my focus has been the family mediation and collaborative practice. So collaborative practice was established in 1990 by a gentleman named Stu Webb, um, who I recently had the honor of doing a webinar with, and I'll speak a little bit more about that in a bit. But it is essentially a process where families, couples agree to resolve their dispute without ever going to court. And mediation is very similar. It's a little bit less comprehensive, but very similar in terms of it being a voluntary process, a private process. And really, having done court work for a number of years and seeing some of the destruction that was happening for families and how relationships were were more or less being torn apart or weakened as opposed to preserved and and healed, collaborative practice and mediation just both fit for me and my values and my philosophies much, much better. So I still do some court work, but I primarily focus on helping families ideally not ever get to the point where they even start into that process. But essentially you have roundtable discussion and help kind of support the emotional aspects of where people are at. We typically have a financial professional involved who is a trained CPA that can help 
neutralize some of the financial aspects of a transition. And then typically in most scenarios, I would say, again, in collaborative practice, more of a two-attorney model where each party is represented by a collaboratively trained attorney who's sitting round table and in mediation that can look a little bit different, perhaps a little more streamlined, but it's really an interdisciplinary team of professionals helping a family in all of the aspects that impact them um, when they're going through conflict and, and transitioning and redesigning their family. So that is how I spend most of my days is doing that type of work. All of my Again, advanced training is more on communications, relational dynamics, conflict resolution skills. I've actually had the pleasure of being able to go out and train in several different communities just based on the collaborative practice work I do in helping other professionals learn how to do this work so that we can bring more more peace and healing to families that are in upset as opposed to to making that worse when they're already in pain and really just nurturing that that vulnerable space that they're in as opposed to compounding that with more confusion and upset. I'm going to ask a question that's going to on its surface sound facetious, but it's not meant to be (laughs) that way in that. How do you keep all of this straight? Because you have you're kind of the classic business that has a lot of product lines, some related, some not related. I guess they're all related under a kind of a human-to-human kind of helping people through different issues type of thing. But a family, as you had said before, like a family conflict might be different from traditional therapy, might be different from a court system, etc. So as a business owner, how are you able to balance all of those different essential, essentially different product lines and be able to focus so that your business at the end of the day is profitable and moving forward? Because it seems like an awful lot, as I'm listening to you, it seems like an awful lot to keep track of. <laughs> well, so in my particular space, as I mentioned, I have a handful of therapists who do more traditional outpatient therapy, which really has become... Uh, a nice adjunct service, if you will. So my focus being more of the mediation and collaborative work, I can help support families who may have that need, um, in particular the adults going through the adversity to help support them individually in a therapeutic way. I can help kind of coordinate that care in our space. As far as the other professionals that I work with, we're, we don't share space, so it's more we all agree via contract really with the family to come together and again sit round table to do that work so I guess from a focus standpoint I'm spending my days really with families in my office um, and we have a really refined approach that we've developed that works so well with families um, that I'm very excited to, to kind of continually share and and expose so that we can help other professionals help families in the way that we are but Nevertheless, the other therapists that are in here kind of focus on what they need to, and my my role in just sort of managing the space, if you will, is kind of making sure everybody's getting what they need and clients are feeling happy about the services that they're getting and that we're really just offering the community more of a holistic approach in in their care for themselves and their family. I'm a big believer that, you know, if somebody is willing to make themselves vulnerable and reach out and is looking for support that it's it's vital that they get into the 
proper hands with someone who has the proper training to provide them with what they need. That's been very kind of near and dear to my heart for our community in particular, especially when I stopped taking traditional therapy clients on. I really wanted to make sure that that those needs were still being met in our community and in a way that sort of honored the space people were in because I just think that's it's, it's just critical that people get what they need when they're in that vulnerable space and kind of being our authentic selves and allowing them to grow in this experience is really the goal and, and really a shared mission by all of us in this space, um, whether it's in a mediation fashion or somebody getting a massage or somebody having more ongoing therapy. Our whole goal is to be able to coordinate that care and, and support them in every aspect so that they're growing pretty much from the inside out, which is a big part of how we do our work. Well, can you talk about your focus and intention in building this? Because I'm sure there's business owners listening right now that are thinking, you know, how do I balance all of the different things in my business? And it sounds like you've navigated it beautifully in that, as you had said just a second ago, you're able to manage that space you're still focusing on what you're doing but you're managing the space with everybody that's in there therapists massage therapists etc etc being able to pull together for the same mission which is to give people the help that they need so i just love to hear your thought process on being intentional and focused because i'm sure it'll help a lot of the business owners listening right now sure from more of a concrete standpoint, I would say one of the things that that we do regularly uh, is just good team building and team meetings and peer consult time and really sort of promoting one another and really kind of lifting lifting one another up. Ironically, we're all women in here, <laughs> which some people are like, how how do you have you know eight to ten women in the same space? And all of you work together, get along. I mean, I would say consistently. You don't expect me to. T- you don't expect me to touch that one, do you? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Clients consistently are like, it feels so good in here. Everybody's you know happy and hugging and getting along. And we just we. I guess I would start with anybody that that shares space in here. Again, it's kind of come back to sharing those same core values and and kind of being your true authentic self. That's something that I think as a business owner, as an individual in my practice every day, I try to be mindful of is just that we're all human. (laughs) We're all human. We all have a story and how can we really lean in and support one another? Oftentimes with clients, especially when I'm doing conflict work, you know, there's sort of this notion of, of really giving that that power away in, in terms of, well, I have to trust this person again, or I can't be happy if this person isn't in my life. And we really use, um, and all of us share the same philosophy, more of an empowering approach, more of a sort of inside of you, the trust, it's sort of inside of you, the happiness, and helping guide them to a place where they can sometimes be discovering that for the first time because it's gotten lost along the way through adversity. So I think we all share that same kind of core value piece of things, and that helps make it easier when we're working with families or coordinating that care to 
to really help them feel safe, help them feel safe so that they have a space to, to grow where they have that support system. I, I definitely learned, I would say, that, you know, good self-care and a healthy support system are two of the things that can help people move through adversity. You know, I always laugh. I'm like, the idea or vision of having wellness services in the the practice and the space was was also for a secondary game of my own <laughs> because <laughs> I uh, I realize how and just through my own adversity how important kind of wrapping your arms around yourself and loving yourself and taking that time to take care of yourself is. So we all, uh, one of my colleagues was here yesterday. She didn't have clients scheduled. She was getting a massage. I mean, we all really recognize the value in kind of healing the healer and taking care of ourselves to be the best that we can for our clients and give our best to our clients, you know, without losing ourselves, good boundaries and, and being able to to not work harder on clients than they are on their stuff or want it more than they are. I certainly had a little learning curve there myself, but to really be able to bring that to them so that they can feel that peace and that energy and it can evolve sort of out of them. I was speaking about the webinar I did, and it was, again, with the founder of Collaborative Practice, as well as one of my co-trainers who's out in Seattle, we did a training on what's called the paradigm shift. And the paradigm shift is really a practice, an individual practice, but can be expanded out and has been expanded out into collaborative practice because we talk about the paradigm shift that a traditional litigating attorney has to make to be able to do more kind of leaning into the conflict, peacemaking work, if you will. But to take it a step further, the paradigm shift just even more from a street view in our office that we do, again, with finding sort of that that inner peace and valuing where we're at and really kind of holding that space for our clients to to allow that to evolve and self-discover so that they can kind of move forward in their journey in more of an empowered way, which I think is a shift. I know the way we work with families is really different than more of a traditional therapy approach, specifically the way we work with children and families is different than how a traditional therapy setting would would approach a family in conflict. And again, very excited about how we do that and really taking that outside of here to other communities to be able to, to empower families and use more of a kind of unified, top-down approach to help kids thrive. I always say I do what I do because I love kids, and I know if I can get parents lined up, kids really have the space to thrive and not take on the symptoms of of the conflict in the family system. So it's definitely a shift, a paradigm shift in how we do that here, again, at a street view, and then how we do that inside of our ourselves and the work we do, and then even the work I do again, from more of a practical level relative to collaborative pro- collaborative practice and mediation using an approach that is not kind of go into the courtroom position and and battle. It's it's very much sort of meeting people where they're at, empathizing where the, with where they're at and helping them sort of grow through that by empowering them to to manage what they have the ability to manage and then really creating an understanding around the relational dynamics that I've I've come to really learn and understand and speak to, as well as how they communicate through that, that it's really 
depersonalizing some of the differences and understanding how they've learned to get their needs met and cope rather than, for lack of better words, enabling them to feel sick or like something's wrong with them. But that really, again, we're all humans with our story and and it's helping them sort of find that within. Let's talk so about... It's probably a long answer to your question. <laughs> oh, no, that's... I get you know. passionate about what I do and... No, it's great talking about it. No, I'm great. And again, uh, the guests on this podcast always have the floor and it's it's uh, wonderful that, uh, you know, you gave such a complete answer to that. The one thing that's been weaving through this podcast is self-care. And I have an opinion about self-care as far as or a view of it, I should say that vaguely, really. My view is kind of vague in that it means that I should take care of myself and maybe that's going to get a massage or that's reading a good book or something like that. But I know that there's got to be a more expansive way a professional like yourself looks at how somebody should be looking at self-care when they're trying to perform it in their own lives. So. And I, and a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs and people that are in corporations right now, et cetera, that are listening are in probably many cases, they probably do need to practice more self care. Sometimes we're the worst at doing it for ourselves, right? So mm-hmm. what would you say to the folks listening right now as to how you define self care and what they should be doing? in their lives. We will hear more from our guest in just a second. But first, Athena International has a big event coming up in October, and you should be there. Let's take a pause and get the details from event co-chair and Athena International board member, Sherry Jones. Want to enhance your leadership skills? Join us this October in the beautiful Hudson River Valley, New York for the 2019 Athena International Women's Conference. We're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Athena Leadership Model and the impact of the eight principles of enlightened leadership. Register at becomingathena.org. Well, I think starting by kind of sitting with yourself and and being sort of present with where you're at, which is hard to do because we're go, go, go people. One of the things we talked about in the webinar is really getting out of your head and into your heart and trying to honor what what you're needing and listening to that, clearing the space to listen to that. And that may look different for everyone, right? There's There's certain ways that work some days and certain ways that work other days, but it's really kind of tuning in to what you need and creating the time and space to do that. I, I often will tell people to schedule that into their day, whether it's when you wake up, whether it's kind of reflecting at the end of the day, but really just sitting with yourself and listening to to your heart and to what you need and trusting that, trusting that because, again, we all know ourselves best and we just don't take the time to slow down and really listen until our bodies are kind of screaming at us <laughs> in terms of what they need. And it's a practice. It's definitely a practice, something you have to be intentional about. And I, I just think doing that really allows us to to be better in all the roles we we hold in our life, whether it's working with clients, whether it's being a mom, that really kind of, I call them mommy timeouts, (laughs) kind of like, okay, I need to step away and kind of take care of myself right now because I'm not going to be my best self in that role if I, if I don't. Well, just 
millennials <laughs> millennials listening right now will have to google calgon take me away because that was <laughs> that was the original mommy timeout that's right <laughs> That's right. I know that one. <laughs> we we have some twenty something scratching their heads right now. That's okay. You got Google. You can you can check That's it out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you had mentioned before about your own learning curve with self care, and it's like kind of like the shoemaker's kid goes shoeless, where you're a professional and you know all about self care, but even you had a learning curve. So I think a personal story might help our listeners right now as to how you had to get better at self care. Sure. Well, so I, I kind of mentioned that I've learned over time. I can't work harder on other people's stuff than they are. I can't want it more for them than they do. And definitely that applies to the clients that I work with, you know, on a daily basis. And I'm often reminding the other professionals that I work with who are not, do not share the same training as I do that, you know, we can't, this isn't our outcome. They have to live their lives beyond us and they know sort of what's going to work for them. And, and again, we have to listen to that. But I would say from a personal standpoint, uh, one of the the things, again, in the webinar that we spoke about was just a, a feeling of what's called coming home and finding that peace within. And my, my personal journey with that really was through my own adversity in life. I was kind of <laughs> one of those people who would give to a fault, if you will, kind of trying to take care of everybody else's needs and making sure everybody was tended to. And, and I always kind of joke that I don't give up easily. It's a blessing and a curse of mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that it was through my own loss of my husband that I sort of was grounded in the fact that I couldn't focus on tending to everybody else's needs and that I really needed to sort of in that vulnerable bra space sit with myself and find that peace from within. And I really just honestly didn't have the brain space to to take care of anyone beyond myself and my children. And so that really was probably one of the most grounding experiences in me that I grew through. Um, I often say adversity is an opportunity for self-growth. And really through that grew to to learn how to set better boundaries in my life around kind of taking care of, of what I needed and, and what my kiddos needed and really anything beyond that. What I found is that some of the people that I was <laughs> focusing so much on helping and taking care of were really not as helpless as they seemed to me. <laughs> and that it just gave me, again, sort of a, a traumatic experience really grew for me to being a, a transformative experience in, in who I am and what I could give and how much I could give. But at the, at the end of the day, taking care of myself and, and loving myself and being able to rely on myself, again, from the inside out was really what was going to, to be most beneficial for anyone around me that I was supporting, loving, helping, whatever, you know, again, role I was assuming in that relationship. So that probably, from a personal standpoint, was my own experience in, in self-care. And I'll often say to clients, like, you don't want it to take a crisis for you to, without sharing my personal information, because as, you know, our our ethics sit, that's, you know, not appropriate unless it's going to benefit the client, but really helping clients 
pace that so that it doesn't take a crisis, whether it's a stroke or a heart attack or something that kind of their body screaming at them slows them down. I'll often say, you know, you don't want it to take a crisis to to ground your feet, to recognize the value in taking care of yourself and the necessity in doing that so that you can be good for everything else in your life and you can be more thoughtful and mindful and intentional about what you're giving energy to. Well, I'm sorry for your loss, Melissa. Thank you. Well, let's go into the Athena-based questions, and you get two of them because okay. you you were you were in a and of course we're gonna take a uh, one of the principles from Martha Mertz's book in just a second as we usually do. But uh, you were an Athena PowerLink recipient, and mm-hmm. I want you to talk about what that meant to you and your business because there's some people listening right now that aren't familiar with that program. So just love to hear your perspective on it. Wonderful program. I really I I, I can't say enough about the Athena family and just the benefits of the program itself, but really what spoke more to me and continues to. In fact, I'm, you know, having dinner tonight with Linda Stevenson and it just are the relationships. Isn't she great? She's wonderful. (laughs) She's wonderful. The relationships that grew out of that experience and the, I guess the best way to describe it is just a feeling of, of unconditional support again, sort of how I would approach clients, that shared philosophy is there with Athena and and just being present and being available and assisting with wherever you're at and trying to help you grow in your experience and, and, you know, while listening to what you're needing, but also guiding in a way that that feels safe and unconditional. And it's an amazing, amazing program, I feel really fortunate to be a part of it and as I said the relationships that have come out of it and continue to to come out of it are remarkable well you'll have to tell Linda I said hello <laughs> I will <laughs> she's she's awesome it's fair to say that this podcast would not exist without Linda mm-hmm. she, she was guest number one and so anybody listening right now if you want to hear Linda Stevenson she is episode number one and I took a half a page uh, for not a half a page, I always mess that up, half a notebook worth of notes <laughs> uh, before starting this podcast. And she just, well, as you know, Melissa, she's a wealth of information. Yes. Yep. And you just feel her, her passion for and, Athena. Absolutely. Up with her women. And what we're going to do is we're going to post a link to Athena Power Link in the resource section, of course, if you want to learn more about that. But let's get into your second Athena question. There's eight Athena leadership principles from the book Becoming Athena, eight principles to enlighten leadership by Athena International founder Martha Mertz. And your principle to comment on is, and this is perfect for you, act courageously. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, yes. So ironically, when I've done some of the luncheons for Athena, I typically pick the relationship, the building relationships and the live authentically because those are two, two kind of principles I feel sort of grounded in. So it was great when I got act courageously because it kind of stretched me out of my comfort zone, if you will, of, of the tenants. So I think in terms of acting courageously, again, kind of taking you back to that that vulnerable space of stretching and learning to rely on yourself and looking inward. I think it's really 
when you're in that space, when you're finding that peace within, having the confidence and the courage to act from that space rather than letting that space sort of hold you back and really being able to to in, engage others and grow through whatever your story is, whatever that looks like. But again, having the confidence and courage to act from that space rather than than letting it hold you back, that it's that every one of us has the ability inside of us to do that. And again, whether it's through good self-care or a healthy support system, that really, really having the courage to step forward. Certainly, again, in my my own experience, it was it was having to step forward and and be not only a provider but a great mom to my kids, as well as as taking care of myself and my role as a woman and having the courage to do that rather than letting my experience define the rest of my existence or allowing my experience to to just have me bury my head in the sand and not not deal with where things were at, but really walking forward with courage. And on my good days, picking up my bootstraps and taking a step and and on my bad days, sort of honoring what I needed in that and allowing myself to feel it, but, but getting back up the next day and and acting with courage to develop, you know, all that, that sits in front of me today in all the aspects of my life. That resonates with me because Tony Robbins has a podcast, where, and, he, and this is weaved through several of his podcasts, but uh, he has a concept where he talks about the story you tell yourself is really going to determine where you go. So, like, just say in business, for example, and say you've suffered a business failure and... Mm-hmm. You assign something to yourself. The story you tell yourself is, well, I failed in business because I'm a loser. Or you have a story that you say, huh, well, that that stunk, but I learned something from it. And the next time I come out, I'm going to be even better in my business. And this is just going to give me more success. And so which story is going to allow you to move forward and which one is going to probably get you stuck there as you said so Mm -hmm. would you agree it is all about the story that you tell yourself oh i think so i think there's definite weight in that and again when i've done trainings or i i do a lot of writing as well i've had the privilege of writing articles for a paper and being published in a in a book relative to collaborative practice i just think stories are founded really in our values and in our experiences and so when you can sort of tease through that and and again, find that you have the ability to to grow through those experiences rather than let them stifle you. And, and empowering people to do that is just, it, for sure, for sure, the story we we create around that can be can be redone. I'll often use the words, you know, let's cut the tape and and redo this, and it doesn't have to to look this way. But it's really again, sort of taking that time to listen to yourself and embrace that, embrace where you're at and and grow through it rather than resisting it and trying to to push it out because it's it's where you're at and it's you have to work with that. Well, we did one of the resources already, and of course, that's your website, Nurturance, N-U-R-T-U-R-I-N-S-E, and I highly encourage people to go ahead and give Melissa some visits and Mm -hmm. engage with her should you need her services. But, Melissa, what are some other resources that you'd like to point folks at? Well, I would say one of the things I've 
sort of guided clients towards in some of my relational dynamic work. And, you know, even when I'm working with couples who are experiencing separation, divorce, you know, helping them understand those relational dynamics can be can be helpful. And some of them have been able to reconcile just through understanding some of those differences in a new light. But one of the things I think that is a good good read and really, again, I've actually had my kids take this test is the love languages, kind of how we're all fed, how we all can allow ourselves to be vulnerable looks different and kind of, you know, what feeds us in getting our needs met. Again, kind of drilling it down to some of those aspects. I think the love languages, the five love languages is a great read for relationships for parent-child relationships. I think it's a, it's a good read. And the other thing that I think just sort of speaks to the work that I do, and I've used this video in trainings, it's called How Wolves Change Rivers. And it's it speaks kind of to the paradigm shift that I'm talking about, being able to kind of shift out of how we've been doing things a certain way, maybe the story we've told ourselves and how things have to look and shifting out of that and just the change, the ripple effect that can happen in doing so. So the concept behind how wolves change rivers is a story about when wolves were reintroduced to Yellowstone National Park when they had been absent for about 70 years and just how it changed the whole landscape of the park. Um, It's a fascinating video, so I often use it when I'm doing team building or just trying to demonstrate the the collective impact of change and everyone sort of moving in a different direction, how we shift that and and just how that can can ripple out and the impact it can have, you know, in my case on yeah, several families or several businesses just in in sort of changing the way we think about things. I always like to start with the guest, end with the guest, and what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to take the microphone, I'm going to hand it over to you, and have you take the podcast to its finish with whatever you want to address the audience with. The floor is yours, Melissa. All right. Well, I guess I would just, if it hasn't come through yet, my message would be to really take the time to to honor and value yourself and to listen to what you're needing and trust that. I just, you know, again, taking the opportunity to grow through adversity so you can be your best self and that really the blessings that I've had in the work that I do and my relationships with Athena as well as the International Collaborative Collaborative the International Academy of Collaborative Professionals and just all of that sort of shifting the way we think and being able to touch other people, meet them as humans, because we're all in this together. And and really my hope is that not only do I impact colleagues and families, but most importantly and most near and dear to my heart, my children, that they really, you know, one of the potential questions that that Jeff had shared with me would just be who are my heroes in my life and in thinking about that it really it's my children and it's you know just their their experiences and how they've grown and who they're becoming as as young men that just having the opportunity to impact one another and and share in this this world and this life that we've been given is just an honor and a blessing and and taking care of that and taking care of one another. 
Yeah, tell me about your sons and mm-hmm. uh, their ages and uh, what makes you proud of them. So they are 14 and 16. My 16-year-old is Quentin, and he he's just sort of a, I guess, an old soul, if you will, very, very heart heartwarming he enjoys the performing arts he likes entertaining uh he's he's definitely a comedic personality but at the end of the day just very attuned to what other people are needing around him and just very loving and sensitive very proud of him for not only his academic accomplishments but just personal accomplishments and relationships with people and (laughs) he'll often say I'll be like okay what are you doing buddy and he's like oh I'm helping a friend or talking to a friend I'm like all right all right junior therapist I'll see you later (laughs) um (laughs) and then my my 14 year old is Julian and he's kind of my little firecracker he's he's my risk taker he plays lacrosse He's definitely sort of out and about, and you know he's in the space if he's there. He just, he really, he's very compassionate, very perceptive. Again, it's sort of my kid. We were in New York City a couple summers ago, and he's going up to the homeless person, giving them, you know, change, and just just very attuned, again, I guess both of them, as I'm saying that, to to helping other people and being available to other people, very compassionate. And it's kind of a joke in our professional community. I'm called Hugs because I, I, <laughs> I'm a believer that hugs heal. And a funny story about my oldest. We were in Austin and walking through this park, and there were some people standing there with a sign that said free hugs. And my youngest, or my oldest at that point, was probably, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13. And he goes running up and gives them a hug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Don't know where he gets that from, but... Uh, yeah, they're mm, wonderful. I wonder. I wonder. Wonderful mm. boys. They're they're a true. They definitely keep me going. <laughs> well, what a they're wonderful boys. What a perfect way to close out the interview. And uh, Melissa Sikowski and of Nurturance, and you can find that at nurturance.com, and you are t u r i n s e dot com. Thank you so much for all your oh, time, thank you, Jeff. This has been fun. Thank you so much. Yes, it's been great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate again the opportunity to just share sort of my thoughts and my experiences and hopefully again if if even one person is impacted then then I've I've done my due diligence today and again appreciate the ability to do that and the opportunity on the next episode of women really mean business presented by Athena International Elise Glink is a content expert and has a lot of helpful tips for you. But more important, this podcast is all about being bold enough to listen to your instinct based on what you are seeing at the ground level, even if others don't agree with you. Here's a little bit from Elise. I was hearing about it at kind of a ground level, and if it wasn't there, I was getting it in my syndicated column, you know, questions from people. And so, you know, it occurred to me that people were really struggling and they were broke. And it took a few years for me to put together the kind of pieces. I needed a little more experience. I needed to build this big website for Discover Card and another one for Equifax and another one for Humana and another one, you know, for these different companies to really understand in a new media environment what would be a better way to reach out and touch people? When you share the show on social media, and we hope you do, and appreciate when you do, use the My Athena hashtag, lowercase my, and then Athena is all uppercase. 
Hashtag MyAthena. Let's share this with the world.